want to talk about at this point. We're talking about the authority of the believer, right? And remember, we, we, the idea that we have carried throughout since morning is how everything relates to the Holy Spirit in our lives. Amen. So, but what I want us to start off with is what are the things freely given to us? Sometimes prayer is wrong. The Bible says you don't have because you don't ask, right? But sometimes you you ask, the Bible says you ask amiss. So that you can spend whatever you ask on yourself. In some cases, what we ask for, we are not supposed to ask for. And the fact that we are asking means we don't know we have and as a result <laughs> we will not normally get what we are asking for. So let's go to Second Corinthians chapter 2. I'm reading um, Second Corinthians chapter 2. Let's start it from verse 9. Second Corinthians chapter 2 from verse 9. It says, However, as it is written, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, and what no human mind has conceived, these things God, that, the things that God had prepared for those who love him. What does verse 10 say in your Bible? When you forgive this man, I forgive you too. No, 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Oh. I said second. Yes. So when I read first, and are you not surprised? Yeah, I think it's some new Is it? I thought I said first, okay. No. Others had first, others had second. Nice. Maybe when I repeated, I said second. Whatever the case may be, we are reading first. At least someone did have first, so it's fine. Uh, yeah. Who has the a different version to mine? We're reading verse 9 to verse 12. But as it is written, what no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches everything, even the death of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except the spirit of that person which is in him? So also, no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. Mm-hmm. Yes, it's fine. Uh, read the last uh, verse 16. For who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. So, so what we are reading here, the Bible says, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no mind has conceived what God has in store for us. Then it says this way, it says, But these things God has revealed by the Spirit. Right? And it says, the spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except their own spirit within them? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. What we have received is not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, so that we may understand what God has freely given us. Are you hearing that? What God has what? freely given to us. So, by implication, what is freely given must be received. But often time, what is already given is asked for. So let's start with the obvious part. Let's start 
from Second um, Corinthians chapter five, where we read earlier on, we read what verse seventeen, isn't it? This time around, let's read verse twenty uh, one. Verse twenty one of Second Corinthians five says, "God made him." who knew no sin or had no sin to be seen for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of, of God, right? So here's a question I need to ask. If uh, I am born again by the Spirit of God, right? It says that, verse 17, if any man be in Christ is a new creation, all things have passed away, behold, all things have become new. Now, we are reconciled to God. The Bible says when we were reconciled, when we got born again, we became the righteousness of, of God. Are you there? So number one, should I earn righteousness? No. no. Do you understand that when I am born again as a spirit man, I'm born again righteous? Now, when you are born again righteous, that is why the Bible then says there is now no condemnation because your righteousness was freely given. You came with it. Hence, the Bible speaks, James says this way, it says, a prayer of a righteous person availeth much. Now, the challenge with that is you have righteousness in your spirit. Because your spirit has the law of life. But then in your members of your body, you have the law of sin and, and death. And the law of sin and death was against the law of your mind. Now, can you imagine when you pray, normally because you live and interact through your soul, through your mind, through your heart. When you pray, you don't pray from your spirit. You pray from your mind. And when you pray from your mind, the enemy tells you that you don't have the right to approach God. That is why a lot of people, when they pray and they have all these kinds of stuff in their head, they can't approach God. Most people, when they have sinned, they run away from church. They hide. What they don't understand is they were just supposed to align their soul area with their spirit man. Their spirit man is already righteous. Hence, uh, 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 Paul, John says, when we say we are without sin, we lie. We spoke about that, right? But he says, when we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to do what? To forgive us and do what? And cleanse us from what? From all unrighteousness. Where is this all unrighteousness? Is it in the spirit or it's not in the spirit? When God cleanses you from all unrighteousness, he cleanses that part which hinders your spirit man to connect with him. Does that make sense? Have you ever wondered why doesn't the Bible says, but when we sin, what we must do? It says we must confess, right? Why does it say we must ask forgiveness? Because we are already forgiven. Uh -huh. Forgiveness was given. It's freely. The Bible, where we read in Ephesians, you remember earlier on, we read in Ephesians chapter 1, it says, uh, we're reading verse 7, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. And the Bible calls this redemption, it says it's an eternal redemption. Now, because you, you live in a place of uh, talking with the devil and discussing how you should behave, when you come to God, you don't come as somebody who's already forgiven. That's why people who come to God most of the time, and someone is going to ask me a question, don't ask me that question. Don't ask me, is it wrong to ask for forgiveness? You are hearing that you are already forgiven. It says when you 
confess your sin. He is faithful and just to forgive, to enact that which the blood of Jesus has already bought for you. Because the blood of Jesus already speaks your, your forgiveness. You can't ask more forgiveness than the blood of Jesus has attained for you. Does that make sense? But condemnation comes when you think your forgiveness is more, your asking of forgiveness is more powerful than the blood of Jesus. That is why then the devil is going to say to you, no, you don't deserve to be forgiven because you have done a terrible thing. Are you, are you hearing what I'm saying? So sometimes you see someone who has confessed their sin and they have a revelation of forgiveness as having been provided in the eternal redemption. They walk free. And when according to you thinking, no, 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 no. You are supposed to repent every day. Repent every day. Repent every day. Ask for forgiveness. No. We confess our sins and we repent. Forgiveness is already given. So righteousness is given. Um, forgiveness is Given. What does Romans chapter 5 verse 5 say? Someone read for us Romans chapter 5 verse 5. Now, who he, okay, sorry. now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. What is freely given there? The Holy Spirit, yes, but what the love of God is poured in our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. The Holy Spirit was given. I agree, we, we spoke about that earlier on. And when the Holy Spirit comes, He comes with the fruit of the Spirit. Therefore, every child of God has the love of God. Now, now we keep praying for God. Give me love. You see, why can't I love people? No. The reason children of God are not supposed to ask for love. They are supposed to ask to the grace to walk in love. You understand that thing? So we walk in love. And the Bible simply says, walk in, walk in. That is why... It takes it for granted that you understand that you have the love. It says to you, love one another. Love your enemies. Love this, love this, love that. Because love is freely given. You know, I struggle to love people. And then you say, Bazaran, pray for me to have love. You do realize that prayer is not gonna work. You're supposed to learn to walk in love. Now, here's a question How do you walk in love? Walk in love, how did you get the love? The love was poured by the Holy Spirit. Therefore, if the love was poured by the Holy Spirit, if you keep in the Spirit, that's why it says when we come to maturity, then we can walk in, in love. Does that make sense? But here's where I'm, I'm, I was actually getting to. Let's go to. Uh, Isaiah, we all know Isaiah 53 again. I want us to talk about this part because for me, this part disturbs me as much as I guess it disturbs you. Isaiah 53, verse 5, that's the part I want. In Isaiah 53, verse 5. It says in this version, but he was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. What does your version say? Um, but he was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his wounds we are healed. What does another version say? But he was wounded for our 
foolishness. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. By his stripes we are. Okay, let's go to First Peter two. So in First Peter two, twenty-four. Mine says, he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his stripes, by his wounds, you have been healed. Second, First Peter 2.24. What does your version say? You have been hit, so yours is like mine. What does another version say? He personally carried our sins in his body on the cross, so that we can be dead to sin and live for what is right. By his wounds we are healed. By his wounds we are healed. Our version says you have been healed. What does that mean? It means healing is a given done thing. It's both in uh, foresight and in retrospect. Isaiah was looking to the cross. He says, he prophesies what will happen. And then he says, what will be accomplished there is that by his stripes you are healed. Now, Peter writes in retrospect. He's now, Peter is looking back at what has already been done at the cross. He says, by his stripes you are healed. So, what does that say to you and me? It says healing is really not something we ask for. Healing is given. That's why the Bible says by His Spirit, God wants us to learn the things that are freely given to us. Now healing is attained, is given as much as a life and all the things that the cross of Christ but here's the problem where does the Bible say we must ask for him think about the scripture that says ask God to heal in the New Testament you know in the Old Testament that's where it says heal me and I will be healed in the New Testament it simply says, believe. But when it talks about laying hands on people, it just say, lay hands and they will be healed. In my name. In my name. What does in the name of Jesus mean? So that's us now going, we are transitioning from what is freely given to us to the authority of the believer. The authority of the believer is based on several things that... If you and I don't understand them, either we'll keep asking for what we need to enforce or what is already given. Understand? Remember, your personal healing, I don't know if uh, my sister, you remember what I, I said when I was praying for you, the very first time when we, I said, this is what God said, that the law of life in the spirit. You understand that healing comes from the law of life. The other one is a law of sin and death. What does sin do? According to the law, sin brings curses. It says if you are willing and obedient, blah, 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 these blessings will come upon you. But if you are disobedient, these curses will come upon you. Among those curses is what? Sickness and diseases and pestilences. But once you have the law of life, the law of life in its fullness does not bring healing. It brings divine health. It's a very weird law. Okay. Let's digress a bit. 
The law of life operated in all the people who walked with close proximity to God. And it worked in very weird ways that sometimes when I look at it, I think, maybe I must stop the nonsense I'm doing with my life and actually seek God. Firstly, the law of life, the way it operated in the life of Jesus, is that there were times when Jesus activated it. How do we activate it? He spoke the word. The law, you remember the centurion, speak the, the word. The law, because the words that I speak, that's what Jesus says, they are spirit and they are life, John 6, 63. The words that I speak, they are spirit and they are life. So when he speaks, he speaks what? Life. He, 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 he puts hands on people and they are healed. It's like, but there were times when the law of life stayed activated. Remember the issue, the woman with the issue of blood. She came to Jesus. Did Jesus call her? No. Did he speak to her? No. Did he do any of the things he did when he, he, he healed any other person? No. This woman said, if I can just touch, not him, if I can touch the hem of the government, where is the law of life? It permeates. Jesus, when he explains in John chapter 7, from verse 37, he says, the rivers of living water will flow through. So it flowed from him. And the Bible says, when she touched, she got healed, right? And he asked, why? Who touched me? Ah, Jesus, there are so many people here. Uh, your, your faces make me rush. You all look very tired. <laughs> but you see, Jesus explained something. He says, I felt the power going out. But nobody touched his flesh. They touched. So when they touched it, they touched a permanent arena of the law of life. Okay, let's look at Peter. Peter, the Bible, they were taught that you shall lay hands upon the sick, which is what they did. But at the later stage, Peter speaking of the law of life in him in Acts chapter 3 at the gate beautiful. The Bible says, when that guy had asked them for money, Peter says to him, Look at me. And then he says, he, he declares what the law of life resident in him does. He says, silver and gold I have none. Such as I have, I give unto you. And then the Bible says, he stretches and says, in the name of Jesus, stand up. He walks. It's the law of life. But as the anointing of the law of life increases, it gets to where Peter does not activate it. He walks. And then guess what? The, his shadow. Now you see, there was no verse about shadow healing people. There was only John 14 verse 12. He who believes in me, the things that I do, he will do even greater things. Do you think Peter was going around thinking, little one and today, today the shepherd had a shadow healing. <laughs> I don't think he was even aware that on that day, he's going to hit them with shadow healing. He was immersed in the law of life, such that life just overflowed. Are you following? What about Paul? At one point, it says, when he was preaching, he saw that a man had a faith to be healed. And he looked at him and said, stand up. And he pulled him. But later on, the Bible says, it was no longer that way. People just came and put handkerchiefs. Did he, he wake up that day and say, today I, I was shepherd handkerchief healing? No. <laughs> the, he was not even thinking about it. Okay, let's, let's read. Kings. Second, second, second Kings. Are you still there, Bajanani? I'm trying to show you that when healing is provided, and remember, some of the things I'm talking about, I don't even have an idea what I'm saying myself. Yeah? Second Kings chapter 13. 
So we read him from verse 20. No, 2 Kings chapter 13, 1-3, verse 20 to 21. In my version it says, Elisha died and was buried. What did Elisha ask of Elijah? A double portion of his anointing. And what did he, what did both do with the anointing? Elijah raised a dead child. Do you remember the story? By prostrating over the child. Elisha did the same miracle. You know that. Both of them raised a, a child. You remember there was that child who said, my head, my head. You remember that child? Now, so Elisha has a double portion. He has done some crazy things, if you have read. Sometime, would we, let's leave these crazy things. You can go and read them for yourself. Let's stick to what we are talking about. It says, Elisha died and was buried. Now, Moabite raiders used to enter the country every spring. So these were people who were tormenting Israel. They would take their food and blah, 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 blah. Once, while some Israelites were burying a man, you hear what they were doing? Suddenly, they saw a band of raiders, so they threw the man's body into Elisha's tomb. When the body touched Elisha's bones, it doesn't say when the body touched Elisha's corpse. It seems to suggest that Elisha. So it says when they touch the bones, Elisha is dead. But the law of life that was operating in Elisha was still active. The Bible says when the, his body touched Elisha's body, the man came to life and stood up on his feet. So here's a man who's been buried and he's thrown into another man's tomb. A man who's dead. But the power that was at work in that man was still effective. So my point is this, is that if people, if you and I even had the smallest glimpse of what the children of God are supposed to walk in, you know the story, that story we told you, Sir John G. Lake, you remember the baboon plague where he used to show people. Now we're talking about a story that happened here in South Africa of a man of God who when people were killed by a baboon plague, baboon plague is like, a, what's that, Ebola. Once you, you, you touch the person, uh, one day you just count a few hours, you are gone. But then he would go and touch people. And sometimes he goes, he prays for people that are foaming. And the, 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 the doctors, the scientists called him, what is happening? How come when all these things are happening, they don't affect you? He says, no. Mena, you don't understand. The law of life in the spirit is at work in me. Such that when the virus, because the virus operates on the law of death, when it comes against the law of life, it, it automatically dies. And they're like, ah, not true. He says, okay, bring the virus. You see, they got the virus, got the microscope, put it on his hand, waited for him to start foaming. Guess what? The, the virus started dying. In Malta, the Bible tells us a story that Paul was there, and as he, they, they, because there was there was a shipwreck. After the shipwreck, they were warming themselves. And says when he was taking the the, the 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 wood, a poisonous snake. It didn't. It was not those ones that just bite you. It says barrier soul like a You 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 develop a. a an allergy that kills you immediately. They say it just runs itself. And everyone was like, he's gonna fall in and die. But the law of life was so powerful that the Bible says he just shook it off. And then they waited for him to die. 
When he was not dying, they concluded that the gods are with us. Now, when they say the gods are with us, you and I are thinking, it's blasphemous. No, actually, in John chapter 10, verse 34, Jesus says, actually, God says, ye are God to those whom the word came. But Luna is children of God. The word did not come. You are born of it. Hence it says, you are from God, little children. So Jesus, when he says, they will drink poisonous things and blah, 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 they won't die. They won't die. He's basically saying, when the law of life is in you, when you drink something that is supposed to kill you, when it comes into contact with the law of life, guess what? I would like to put a disclaimer at this point. <laughs> that I am not yet ready to drink poison. <laughs> what, is that? What, what am I saying? It says you and me live in a disclaimer position. Whereas in, in fact, that's what I'm saying, healing is provided. But healing is not divine health. Divine health is when you can't get sick. When sickness comes, that's why a lot of other people, if you read the stories of the God's generals, others were not sick. One of them, he was losing his sight as he was growing old. And he said to, to God, God, no, 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 this cannot be. I cannot have healed so many people and I die of sickness and blindness. What would people say? And guess what? The law of life kicked in. He could see. He just died in his sleep. And this, the result of partaking in a divine nature. Are you following? Mm -hmm. Let's go back to this uh, law of life thing is, is too much. Let's leave it. Let's go to the authority that we are talking about. So the authority of a believer is such that where as soon as the, 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 the Holy Spirit has imparted things, when we get the revelation, then we start realizing that we don't ask what is already given. We enforce what is given. We speak those things that be not if we have to lay hands, we lay hands. If we do have to speak, we speak. You understand? But because we don't walk in the spirit, because all these things are in the spirit. So authority, therefore, when we are going to pray now, and for every other time we've prayed, you have to understand that the authority of a believer, first and foremost, starts with the revelation of the position of the believer in relation to what he wrestles with. Amen. Okay? So let's start. We read in Ephesians, again, okay? 6. Yeah? Let, let's, let's read. We already know what I'm going to read, but it, I guess it's still worth it to go through, through Scripture. Are you still okay? In, 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 Ephesians chapter 6, right? We know the armor of God again. Verse 12 says, For our struggle is not against flesh and, and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. You understand? So we struggle, we fight against this. These things are what? They are spirit. Where do they stay? In the heavenly realms. Remember, we told you that there's the realm of the flesh. We thought about this some time ago. The physical realm, the realm of the spirits, and the realm of God. So, we're fighting against these things. But these things that we are fighting against are subject to the authority of Jesus. Why are they subject to the authority of Jesus? Because they owe their existence to him. 
Remember what um, Colossians chapter 1 says. We have read that part again. Now we're going to Colossians chapter 1. Am I too fast? I'm good. Is it not too much information? You find it. It is. It says, uh, Colossians chapter 1, I'm reading from verse 15. The Son is the image of the first invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. Now listen. Whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, these are the very spirits that we are told we wrestle against. All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. All those things that are mentioned, they owe their existence to him. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. Are you following? Now let's go to Ephesians chapter 1. It starts to feel like Sunday. Remember we said tomorrow, I said to you, you must study the, the prayers of Paul. Remember the message I said? Study the prayers of Paul. Uh, Mrs. Kubel read another, another one earlier on. Because those are the things when we pray. Sometimes I used to read these prayers and think good prayers, but there's a reason why those particular prayers are for the church and we don't pray them. So let's start with the prayer itself, verse 15 of chapter 1. But we're going down. It says, For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of what? Wisdom. Wisdom and what? And revelation. You remember in the other one it says that you may have the knowledge of God in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Again. So he says, I pray that you will have the spirit of wisdom and revelation. What is the spirit of revelation and spirit of wisdom? The manifestations of the character of the Spirit of God according to Isaiah 11. I can we read. It says the Spirit of wisdom is also the Spirit of revelation. So that you may know Him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart, what is your heart? Your spirit man, your inner being, your inward man, may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which He has called you the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. Okay. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his... So, yo, you are concentrating, yeah? Romans chapter 6 says we died with Christ. We were buried with him and we were resurrected with him. Again? So anytime the word resurrected is mentioned, you should be thinking of yourself being resurrected with him. Whatever happens in resurrection has happened to you spiritually. Does that make sense? So then the Bible says, um, this is where you get confused, but we'll come to them. It says, that power is like the power he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand way in the heavenly realms. Now, this is a different realm. It's not the realm of the spirit. It's the realm of God the Father. Listen how different is it? It says, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion. What are those? The very forces we are told we are 
wrestling against. They are far below the realm where we are seated. Or at least where Christ is seated. But now you know. Let's, let's go to Colossians. If you are getting confused, you will listen to the recording. It says, Colossians chapter 3. Since then, I'm reading verse 1, you have been raised with Christ. Again? Set your heart on things above. Above what? Every rule, every dominion, every power, every principality, every name that is named. Where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died. Again? And your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ who is your life appears, then you also will appear with him in God. So you do understand where we are seated. So the first point that we are making with these many scriptures is that the authority of the believer is first an invocation and an understanding of where you are seated in relation to demons. You are seated far above, which means you have a higher authority. Happiness. Mm-hmm. Let's, 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 let's talk about the simple one. The simple one is this. In Mark chapter 60, it says there, And these signs shall follow them that believe in my name. Amongst all the other things that are being said, it says they will cast out Demons, where does that the authority lies? It lies in the name of Jesus. Are you following? So first you must understand, I, I am above them, and I have the name above all the other names, including which, that is why sometimes Jesus, when he cast out demons, he called them by name. You know, Jesus used to say, you deaf and dumb spirit, come out of you, mute spirit, come out. You understand that? Because they have names, but his name is... And then other people, remember when we, we talked about the opposition in the name of Jesus, against the name of Jesus in the book of Acts. In Acts chapter 4 and 6, the Sanhedrin, the ruler, said to them, do not teach anything in this name. And Bonadie said, no, 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 no. There is only one name given in heaven by which we can be Say the name of Jesus. That is why you and I, we think of the name of Jesus as an end to prayer. We don't think as the and a power of attaining to exercise authority. But Paul Bonadi were different. When he cast the demon in Acts chapter 16, he says, In the name of Jesus, I command you out of. But in Acts chapter 19, the sons of Sceva had the name, but they didn't have the position. So they, they, they say to the demon, I command you in the name of the Jesus that Paul preaches, and the demon is mine. Brothers, Jesus we know because we owe our existence to him. And not only that, remember they said to him the first time they encountered him, Ha! Another version says, Ha, Jesus, what have you to do with us? Have you come to torment us before time? You remember when he cast them out of the, the legion, the, 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 the boy the, into the swines. You remember that? Now, Jesus they know because eventually he has the authority to set them into the lake of fire. They say, Paul we know. How do we know Paul? We don't just know Paul by the mere fact that he's born again. We know that he holds a higher authority based on his position in Christ. Because in terms of authority, we can see you are in the flesh. You are in the lower realm. Because a carnal Christian is as good as a sinner before a demon. Because you operate in the... In the flesh, you are carnal. That's why the Bible says, a carnal one. In the name of Jesus. And the demon is thinking, what 
to be trying to do. But as soon as in righteousness you assume your position in God, things change. Does that make sense? So you have the position, the name, and then you have the blood of Jesus. That's why the Bible says they overcame him by the word of their testimony. So that your, the word of your testimony is also an authority. What is the, the testimony? The testimony is that Jesus is Lord. So the Bible says, who is he that overcomes the world? But he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. What is it that overcomes the world? Our faith. Our faith in who? Jesus. That is why Jesus says, therefore, in my name, you can say to this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the the, the, the sea. Are you still there, was like, I'm trying to rest my mind. Are you fine? Yes. Okay. So, so let's look at the last part. The rest of the issues will deal with them tomorrow. Let's go to Ephesians and then we'll go to James. Let's go to Ephesians what? We're in Ephesians 6 again. Yeah. Somebody read for us from verse 13. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. Did you hear what does it say? When it comes to the devil, it says, when you take up your armor, I think we are talking about spiritual authority. It says, when you have taken up your armor, this is what you will be able to do first. You will be able to withstand. There are two phrases that are used. Stand and withstand. Okay, let's read up to 18. Uh, Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, and having put on the best plate, the, the breastplate of righteousness, and as uh, shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit which is the word of god praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication to that end keep alert with all perseverance making supplication for all the saints pray all the time in what in the spirit. In the spirit means by your spirit, also with your mind. In this case, when it says with your mind, you pray through the, the way. Because remember, it says, who, who can search the mind of God? What is the mind of God? Is the will of God. This is the confidence we have. That if we ask anything according to his will. So, it re-emphasizes the fact that in as much as we pray according to the way, we must also pray with our spirit, happiness. But here's the part I want you to understand. It says, when you have put on the full armor, few things can happen when you engage the devil. First, it says, you will be able on the day of evil to withstand, stand, and withstand. What does withstand mean? James 4, 17. For James 4, 7. Submit to God. Resist. What do we do? We resist. We withstand. What will the devil do? He will flee. But listen here, Basil. When, when you are supposed to resist the devil, you ask God. God, remove the devil from my life. No, God is not going to remove the devil. There's a lot when we think about sickness and disease like God heal me okay God has already healed you you need to enforce healing I believe therefore I have 
spoken by his tribes I am healed until your spirit man gets hold of that thing faith comes by hearing what does faith do with faith you can quench the fiery darts what are darts all forms of attacks all forms of weapons that are fashioned against you so sickness disease this thing this thing the bible says by the shield of faith but how did that shield of faith come it comes by the hearing of the word so now i've put a shield of faith what am i able to do i'm able to resist and keep the dirt for me so when are you like hey i'm sick okay i'm guilty of the same you say you are sick right what are you starting to do? Firstly, you are actually honestly trying to acknowledge what is happening to you, right? Which is okay. But now the problem is you, you are stuck there. And then you like, hey, Nazareth, the devil is attacking me. Of course, this is job. That's what the devil does. He's gonna... Are you following? So now, if it's sicknesses, it means at one point I did not put my, my armor. So it pierced. Sometimes maybe shot from the back, doesn't matter. Now the Bible says I must resist, which means now I must enforce. When he has hit me, I must enforce that which the Bible says has been freely given. In this case, him. Are you there? Then it says, in my name, you will cast out. Are you aware that our thinking is that we only cast out demons from sinners? Yes. Because our version of understanding demons, I told you before, that it's only demon possession. Like when the demon takes over, you know, like that uh, lunatic, the, the demon could speak in them. That's demon possession. But Christians are afflicted by demons. You know, demons can indwell your body. Why can they do that? Because your body operates on the law of sin and death. So you, demons can attach themselves a sickness and disease. That is why when the, the woman who was bent over, you remember the story? Mm -hmm. What does Jesus say? He says, this daughter of Abraham who has been afflicted, not possessed, afflicted by a demon. How about those who did not hear? Demon. Demon. How about the epileptic boy? Demon. Demon. So in this case, there's demons of addiction. There's demons of depression. There are people who just can't get out of depression. When God gives you discernment, people who have discernment, they see these things. I've been asking for some time that I can see. There's a story that Kenneth Hagin talks about of a woman that had those people that are always saying, my bed is this, my... like she goes to physios. Can't see there are two demons sitting on her shoulder. They are dancing, they tormenting her. And then as he was preaching, he saw the demons. Now you must understand how awkward this is. Yes? He stops preaching, he approaches the demon. He says, you demon, I command you, get away from her. The demons jump down. And then he starts commanding them out. He follows them out of the church until they run. And then start, remember, people like watching, right? So they are, what do you think they are watching? Him. They are watching him. They are not aware of this woman who's busy dancing. Yo, I'm free. I'm free. Why? Because was she born again? Yes. But she had a demonic oppression, a demonic affliction. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. And so sometimes when we have discernment or 
if you 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 realize that no there is a there is something wrong in my life you don't just say hey azalan kenal matap you look at the nature of this thing and you decide that there is a a demon but because you are not used to the idea of saying to a demon in your life come out in your head you are thinking yo it's like i have a demon oh, your body has it. that's why paul calls that demon that affected him he says i had a thorn in my flesh it was a messenger from satan you've read that can a messenger from satan be an angel can it be a person it can only be a, a demon he says that thing came to torment me but he couldn't cast it out eventually he was like lord remove this thing and the lord said my grace is sufficient are you following that is why what do you think when in the old testament where god says i will rebuke the devourer who do you think the devourer is so you are not sick right you work hard you are not sick but your money keeps disappearing you have this man you make man mar how was what have i done with the man nothing the bible says there's a devourer then god says i will rebuke the devourer that was old testament who must rebuke the devourer in the new testament hey marwena you keep saying hey what are you trying to do like me i get to wait alone i get to wait alone Maybe you must just think they must they possibly is a Are these things making sense? So when we pray we must not pray with a wishful mindset. Because when you pray with a wishful mindset you get nothing. Because yeah you are gabazi the bible says and if you are gabazing the bible says you get zilch says if anyone asks they must believe that what they say they will receive what they say but before they say what does uh, second corinthians 4 tell us it says i believe therefore i speak you understand i believe that the things that i speak i will receive and it says when you do that in in now 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 in mark chapter 11 verse 22 have faith in god truly i say to you if anyone has faith and does not doubt in his heart that whatsoever he can say to this mountain so which means me and you we don't have the authority problem we are already seated there it's not like any other day you just get off you don't get off because in the spirit man you are seated but you don't walk in it i don't walk in it you don't walk in it and now when we are supposed to pray we are wishing yeah but god is not going to answer your wish when you are timid you get nothing when you are wishful you get nothing when you are double minded you get nothing when you are in doubt you get <coughs> nothing when you ask amis you get nothing when you ask outside this will you get nothing so you can imagine how many nothing we have prayed for we prayed for good things but we got nothing because we we implemented the law of reaping nothing yes agar That is why then when you approach the throne of grace you must approach it how confidence. confidence you can't be going to God and you want to petition God for something and yet you believe you don't deserve it because last week you told someone where to get off no you're going to get anything because you come as one who has no right rishab kidoitlo ela monana kire 
So as we, we, we are going to pray tonight, we want to pray for one another. The point of all this exercise, of this whole, this whole talk, is that when you pray for people, don't pray wishfully. You know, when I was sick, in Poco, Cape Town, there was a day that I knew I was dying in my head. And I've been through a lot. <laughs> I had TB. I felt like this whole path was open because they, they diagnosed it very late. And I couldn't eat, I couldn't. So I went to see him before I died. <laughs> So I was sleeping. Anyway, I had another friend, Mike. Every time he comes from work, because I'm sleeping, he will just open the door and then come closer <laughs> to check whether I'm still breathing. Because I was very thin. Anyway, I managed to go and see Bob before I die. <laughs> so one day he's away, I'm alone in the house. And I'm thinking this is the day, this is departure date. And I say to God, God, I don't mind dying. My only regret is that I have not said goodbye to my family. And the other spaces, this sickness will not kill you. And I'm like, I'm already feeling up. The spirit is leaving the body. What do you mean I'm not dying? So I said to the Holy Spirit, if I'm not going to die, let me go to the kitchen, make food, and not vomit. Our faith without work is dead. You understand, I'm in the blanket. Now I have to exercise my faith. I go to the kitchen. I make, I don't even want to talk much, but those who understand, me and Paul will understand, I make cornflakes with milk. I eat. The food does not. So I'm thinking, so you're right, I'm not dying. So I go to bed, and as I was praying, remember I've been praying all these days, right? In the times that I've prayed, I learned that at that point I needed someone to pray for me. But I would give a person a very hot clap if I figured that they are praying with a wish. Because I wanted someone who prays with the same desperation and authority. Uh, me, I didn't have the authority, but I needed someone who understands my pain and does not say, Oh Lord, let your will be done. <laughs> Whilst they are secretly saying, Ah, if he dies, God. No, it's okay. It's fine. Now, I wanted someone who refused that I, I die. But they are going to pray also in authority. And then I learned that when you pray for the sick, don't pray from sympathy. Pray from authority. Pray because you want them to be healed. Does that make sense? So when we pray for people, don't pray wishful. Rather ask the Holy Spirit that give me the, 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 the grace to walk in authority. Give me a revelation of the authority I have. So whoever gets there before all of us, please just... Um, I'm talking about a church now. When you get there before all of us, please remind show us that I am there now. That when you pray, you activate the authority that is in you to resist the enemy but to also release the law of life. If we can operate like that as a church, people will come and be healed. And it doesn't have to be done by a pastor because that heritage is for the children of So, yeah, let's just worship a bit. And then we can talk about who wants to be prayed for. Uh, we'll ask questions later. You want to ask questions? Okay. But you, you do understand the fundamental. 
Yeah. Yeah. If you understand the fundamental, we will get to the questions. I just want us to pray for, especially those that are struggling with inner things, whatever they may be, whether it's fear, whether it's guilt, whether it's uh, demonic things. And sometimes just realize that you can take authority over that thing yourself. Amen. But tonight we are going to pray for one another. The Bible says carry one another's burdens. Pray for one another. So we're going to pray for every one of us. Yeah? But we're going to pray firstly for those who have specific prayer items. And we're going to put three, four chairs. We've done it before at church, you know, I get out. That's that. We're going to put three, four chairs. And we're just going to pray whatever the Holy Spirit puts impresses in your heart to pray over the, the people. And if you have a prophetic way, the word of knowledge for them. Yeah, we'll do that. So let's just worship a bit and then we'll call those who have specific prayer items.